Yo, we all thought the serpent was slick when it beguiled Eve. But Genesis 12? Genesis 12 shows us who taught him how to talk so slick, how to use the covetous nature of man to one's benefit, how to rob the rich and feed the poor. Oh, yes, the original Robin Hood. There's a few Bible staples we're going to get into this week. And you know what? You may be surprised to see the gully side of God on this one. So sit back, get your snacks, and get ready for a heist. Because this message is titled Armed Robbery, Abram Came Up. Welcome to the Book of Joe podcast. I am your host, Joe, and this is what I found in the Bible this week. This is the Book of Joe, my book. Let's go deep inside where the sea People stop reading the Bible. Let's open up the Exodus 28 to 11. They don't understand it. Glory to God. There are so many promises in this book. We got to get back to telling the truth. John 16, 33. I'm told you to so that you may have peace. Nah, I'm not a minister. <laughs> you can't hear it down your face. Young people just need to see it from a different perspective. God really is good all the time. God says, if he loved me, keep my commandments. I first ask myself, who's speaking? Did you reach you? And then everything sounds different from there. But God does not lie. I'm Joe, and this is what I found in the Bible. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you for another day of life, health, and strength, oh God. I thank you right now, El Shaddai, for everyone who is in the sound of my voice. I pray for them right now that they would just be uplifted, that this message that you have for them would come to full fruition for them, that they would hear you and not me, that they would know that this was meant for them to be here within the sound of my voice today to remind them that they are not destined for poverty, that they are not destined to to struggle, that they are not destined to chase money all day, that you got all the money. God, God all the money and that everything that we want everything that we need is is good if we go with God if our plans are to follow you then you have nothing but plans to prosper us and I pray that they can see that and hear that in this message today I hope somebody feels lifted and encouraged by the time that I'm finished with this uh, message and I pray that they know that it was you who sought them out to hear it today, that it was you that sees the best for them and that it's you who plans to bring them back up from wherever low they're at right now. I just pray that I know that you can do it. I know that you you never break a promise. I know that you're consistent. I know that your word is three-dimensional and we can stand on it. And so we bless you for that. We bless you, El Shaddai. We bless you, Elohim. And we thank you for loving us. And we say, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, when I left y'all last episode, we met Abram and Sarai who left out of the Chaldees, er, right, or the light of the Chaldeans to the land of purple or international trade, which is Canaan, right? Y'all heard me look up a ton of names, right, to help us understand that God has a subliminal conversation being had amongst the Bible surface dialogue and it's carried throughout the names, all right. So I really had a lot of fun translating all those names with you all. But today's lesson was also a good time with El Shaddai. This lesson is specifically for those who feel abandoned, who feel stuck or who feel destined for poverty. It's not so. 
All right. So we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 12. We finished up chapter 11 last time. And so this is after the Tower of Babel. All right. This is us following the great father, the new ruling body and the covering led by the spirit into Haran, which means mountainous or freedom or or central fire. Now, if you were with me last episode, then, you know, I just said we follow Abram, his wife, Sarai, and his nephew, Lot, led by his dad, Terah, into the city that was named after his brother, Haran, who is Lot's father. All right. So Lot is obviously Terah's grandson, but he's also Haran's son. And I want to make that note because um, it's going to help us later. And just remember, Haran's line was discontinued. It is the Gentile line that ended up joining the lineage of promise from Abram by grace, by grace of El Shaddai, basically. Okay. Quick clarification for those of you who are just joining us in this podcast. Welcome. Um, I want to take you back to a couple of Bible staples. So the Bible staple is that the youngest um, son is favored over the elder brother. And the middle uh, the middle brother's lineage leads to usually a dead end. Okay, so we got Cain, Abel, and Seth. The oldest is Cain. Cain was cursed. Abel the middle child was killed and then Seth um, redeemed Abel's line. So that's the first set of three brothers from Adam and Eve. Then we've got Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Japheth is the oldest. So Shem's line is the redemptive promise line. And in this crew uh, of brothers, it's Ham, the middle brother who was cursed by his father. So it was Japheth's line that was redeemed. All right. Now, Abram, Nahor and Haran are the third set of three brothers. All right. Haran is the oldest. Abram is the youngest. So Abram's line took care of Haran. All right. Nahor's line ends up going into a deep end and vanishing. I mean, a, a, a dead end and vanishing. Excuse me. All right. So here we are at the moment where Abram redeems Haran's lineage through Lot, Haran's son. All right. So when they all go to Haran and live there, that's what happens. Okay. So I want y'all to notice something. Have you ever seen the lineage of promise have a city named after it? Let me clarify. Is there a Noah land? Nope. How about a Shem land? Nope. How about Abraham city? No. All right. So here's your new Bible staple for this week. Those out of covenant with Elohim or El Shaddai will build cities or things or name lands that cities are built on because they seek to create a namesake, as is the way of our God. All right. So like Cain built the city Enoch as a namesake for his son, Enoch. Ham's lineage built a city and a tower, according to Genesis 11:4. right? Now, we got the city of uh, Haran in this one, and it's the namesake of Lot's daddy. All right. So all of these cities, right? Why does this happen? I think it's because those who don't have a covenant with El Shaddai seek to substitute his presence and power with the greatest display of their power, which is stuff, right? But it is Elohim 
who grants life to a thing and El Shaddai who can grant that life purpose. So when we look at that city I mentioned from Ham's lineage, chapter uh, 11 in Genesis verse 9, we read last week that it was only called Babel because El Shaddai did a thing there. It gave it purpose. It made it, uh, El Shaddai made it relevant. Excuse me, I'm stuttering today. Okay, so beware of people who build things for themselves and not for God. All right, it is the way of God to do what? To make, bless, and name in that order. All right, that's a characteristic of God that we can write down this week. He makes, he blesses, and he names it. All right. People can make and name things all day. Let us make brick, it says. Let us make a name for ourselves, like Genesis 11, 4. And this one is going to hurt y'all, but it's still true. So I got to say it. We say, let us make a baby. It's a big one that we do. But they can't bless it. You need God for that. All right. So Cain, Ham, and Haran all became fathers. But were their children blessed because of them? No. If not for Terah saving Lot to be redeemed by El Shaddai through Abraham, Haran's line would have been lost. They all built cities and things to name for themselves, but none of them were building for God. All right. Speaking of building things for God, this week I read Genesis chapters 12 and 13, and I noticed that after God made a covenant with Abram in verse 7 of chapter 12, Abram built an altar in verse 8, an altar for God. Noah built an altar in chapter 8, verse 20. Um, He built the ark for God too, but let's stay focused, all right? And on Noah's altar, every clean beast and every clean fowl became offered, burnt, on the altar right then job built an altar when the days of feasting were over to protect his kids right and that was in chapter 1 verse 5 of job in case they did anything crazy when they were feasting all right so keep the food correlation in mind while i make this point abram built his altar his altar between bethel and high and he simply called on the name of El Shaddai there. He built it in honor of the covenant God made with him during the famine. The Bible we have is translated from Hebrew to Latin Greek to English. So let's backtrack then. The English word altar is the Greek term agia trapeza, which back to English means holy table. All right. Table in, in Hebrew is, is pronounced shu. Shulhan, all right, we're just going to let that know, which means as spread out. So in English, it's why we say they did an amazing spread at the banquet. Yes. All right. So the Hebrew letters Chet and Nun symbolize a sanctuary and life activity, respectively. So the life activity we perform in a protected sanctuary is prayer. The prayer we say at the table is grace. So to write grace in Hebrew, you write the Hebraic letters Chet and Nun. First time we see the word grace in the Bible is with Noah. 
who found grace in the eyes of El Shaddai. So grace is a holy thing we do at our tables. Get it? Thus, the dinner table is a holy table, right? So our holy table is where we eat. The things we place on the table by Noah or the things Noah placed on the table were indeed edible. And all the Hebrew holidays are attached to specific foods. The children of Job were killed while having dinner, like they usually do. And then Job would later create an altar for them after these dinners. Abel and Cain brought food to El Shaddai as the first offering. We burn food, do we not? The Bible references the consuming fire, burnt offerings. God prepareth a table for me in the presence of mine enemies and the cup runneth over on the table in our 23rd Psalm. Yes, mad wine, bread and milk in the Bible. God made Adam and Eve and blessed them, then fed them. Adam and Eve were banished because of what they ate. So basically, Food is a form of worship, y'all. The altar is a holy table where we break bread with God, where we share life with him. And when there is famine or lack of food, we still set a table like Abraham. See that? So for all the times we were able to place something on there, we build the altar. All right? For all the times we set... We were able to set something on it when there was no power of our own to do so. Speaking of tables, y'all can listen to my very first uh, Book of Joe podcast called The Table is Set when you get a chance. It's about the fourth commandment and about Sabbath. So, yeah. Um, but, but to drive this home, your altar is a place to commune with edible items you bless God for. So. Anyone want to take me to the de- to how the definition became this place of slaughter in our minds? See, they trying to trick you. People out here eating people and drinking blood behind closed doors. And that's not the wave. God is not here for your blood sacrifices. Okay, let's clear that up. We didn't get there yet. But if you go to Leviticus chapter 17, verses 10 through 12, it says, and whatsoever whatever that means all right and whatsoever man of the house of israel or of the strangers that sojourn travel among you that eateth any manner of blood i will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and i will cut him off from among his people for the life of the flesh in the blood and i have given it life to you upon the altar holy table to make an atonement for your souls. For it the blood maketh an atonement for the soul. Therefore I said, past tense, been told y'all this basically, been told us this, right? Unto the children of Israel, no, or no soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall sojourneth among you eat blood. All right, so let's get to the bottom of it. When El Shaddai says, for the, light, for the life of the flesh in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. He is saying, I already ransomed blood as an atonement. 
You can't eat that. That holds your life. Your life is my offering to Elohim. Your blood is what I spill as the Redeemer to cleanse your soul so that the flesh does not condemn your souls. Everything your flesh does is sown into the blood, he's saying. This is why the shedding of your blood by El Shaddai or anyone else leaves your soul still available for atonement through judgment. But when you start mixing blood with your blood, that isn't given to you by me, all right? But rather because you like medium rare steak, all right? And you're contaminating the offering I give to El Shaddai and getting blood onto your soul, so to speak, right? Now, I know people have been manipulated um, with this to gut shame our eating habits and so on. But that's not really what it's saying. It's not about being vegan, okay? So when people have used this to tell you you're supposed to be vegan, it's not true. Read verse 13. It says, And whatever man of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you, which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten, he shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. All right? So it's telling you how to eat it if you're going to eat it. It says the blood is to be collected in the dust. Hence, the red ground that we talked about last episode, right? Cool. So no blood on your holy tables, y'all. Burnt is the offering, right? All right. Now, I want y'all to remember how El Shaddai called us the children of Israel. Stay woke and go get a snack because that just made me hungry talking about all that food. And I want to get into this chapter 12 in detail with you as soon as we come back. I'll see you in a minute. Well, like 57 seconds. Here we go. This P. Smith Jr. I know that was a lot. So we're going to pause right here for a quick music break. Black Love Snoops, please visit blacklovesnoops.com. Hold on, I gotta turn my headphone around. That's, that's all right, keep going. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. Okay, thank y'all for sticking with us. We're back. Chapter 12, verse 1. I want y'all to know God will remove you from your family to use you for his glory. That's for somebody right now. I'm telling you, God will remove you from your family to use you for his glory. Let's read it. It says in chapter uh, 12, verse one, now El Shaddai had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. 
This is exactly what God did to me and my husband after we married. My husband had to leave all he knew and his home in New Jersey to come to Connecticut, where I am familiar, but we live in a part of Connecticut that I'm unaccustomed to. So we were going to take on my family's house in uh, Arizona at one point, but God moved me back to the East Coast before our wedding. And we literally created our family with very little physical support from our families on both sides. And it's been tough in some seasons, but um, it's not tough because we're unloved. No, we're loved and we have loving people for my husband's family and we have my loved ones on my side and they're truly in love with us. But none of them are in close proximity, so to speak. So from that isolation, our ministry was born. All right. This podcast came of it. Black Lovesmiths, our music ministry came of it. And there's so much more to come. So that's just a note for someone feeling lonely right now. You may be away from your family to become a testimony for God. So just hunker down and get busy with God, okay? Now, in chapter 12, verse 2, God made a promise to Abram. And he said, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a a blessing. There's a colon, so that means it's going to tell us how Abram is going to be a blessing. So El Shaddai continues in verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So let's note some things. Did y'all peep the make, bless, name staple in there that we talked about earlier? Good. But I also like how it's them that will bless as a plural form and him singular that will curse. God is so good, y'all. We always have more good coming to us than bad. Y'all should know that, okay? And what is the uh, next thing that Abram did? Well, in verse one through three, God is telling him to leave and what God will do once he does. So Abram, he ain't no fool. Verse four says he did what a smart man would. He left 75 years old, set in his ways, but not enough to disobey God. He left. Then verse five says that they took what they had and the souls they had gotten inherit. And came to Canaan, the land of purple and international trade. All right. I think it's important to to note that Abram, Sarai, and Lot were winning souls in his brother's city. That's what you do while you wait on the Lord, while you wait on El Shaddai. All right. This further shows the redemption taking place. All right. In Haran's line of Gentiles. All right. So then in verse six, it says that they just passed through, um, though and that's in true Eber fashion right true Hebrew fashion the descendants of Shem the children of Eber aka the Hebrews meaning to pass over y'all remember from last episode right chapter 10 verse 21 Eber was with Shem they came to the land of Sechem right which means seat of a person of interest in my Abraim publications right Abraim publications dot com Y'all remember that link for last week? We're still looking things up. A-B-R-A-I-M-publications.com. We're looking up names, finding out their meaning so that we can understand the subliminal message of El Shaddai, all right? So it means, Sichem means person of interest. And that's a law enforcement term for a person who's believed to be involved in a crime. So they came to the land of a suspect, all right? Let's note that. 
Then they came to the moray plain. Moray means teacher or early rain, like weather. All right. And it is said the people of Canaan were there. Verse seven says, El Shaddai gave Abram that land in a promise. So it wasn't Canaan that was given to Abram, at least not so far. All right. I'm going to keep an eye out on this because I visited a Canaan Baptist church in my time or two in my journey. And it would be interesting to know if that name was even for the people of God. So I'm going to keep reading. This is the beginning. All right. And this is where Abram built a holy table to God after El Shaddai made him a promise. All right. All right. So now we know that the holy table is, is, is the altar. Right. Verse eight says that Abram left there, Sechem, where the Canaanites were, to a mountain on the east side of Bethel. So on the bad side of Bethel. All right. Beth means house in Hebrew. Bethel is the house of God. All right. So he got on the bad side of the house of God and built an altar between it and between it and a place called Hai. All right. Now, Hai wasn't in my Abram link which is a bummer because it be knowing. But I searched it and got a few answers. One says that it means living or alive. Another said that it, it's coming from, oh, excuse me, that it means coming from the sea or the river. Y'all know I get up real early to do these podcasts. I'm sorry. And I also saw that it, uh, high could mean the heap. All right. So Abram either set his tent up between the house of God on the, and the land of the living or between the house of God and the river, or between the house of God and the heap. And remember that Irad, Cain's grandson's name, means heap of empire. But we'll just take these notes and keep going. Um, I think it's kind of interesting, though, that Abel means house of God, and Abram was set up outside of it, on the bad side of it, because we call the house of God the church sometimes. And I know from my ministry that you got to sometimes come up out the church. Remember, the Black Love Smiths is, is here for those people who are churchless without a church home and those who are unchurched who needed to step outside the church to truly have a relationship with El Shaddai. So I think it's real interesting that Abram set his tent up outside on the bad side of the house of God, because I think sometimes the Black Love Smiths can feel like we might get on the church's nerve a little bit. But too bad <laughs> because we are going to obey whatever God tells us to do, right? So take a note though that high is in the east though. So if Abram is in the middle of it and the east on the east of Bethel, then Bethel is on his left, right? Right? And that, that means the west, right? Out of the trash spot, okay? All right. So verse nine, Abram goes south into Egypt, right? We go down Moses way down in Egypt's land, right? <laughs> I used to love that hymn. All right. Verse 10 is how we know Abram built an altar which had no food because the famine was real. And the Bible says in verse 10, grievous in the land was that famine, right? All right. But after this break, I want to tell y'all how God brought Abram out. It was a righteous robbery that took place. And we'll also find out if Abram sinned with a lie on his wife to keep the Pharaoh from killing him. 
all when we come back in just another minute. Okay, now for the reason for the title of this episode. Can y'all read with me chapter 12, still in Genesis, verses 11 to 14 real quick? And it came to pass, stop, Bible staple alert. (laughs) If the Bible says came to pass, a prophecy is coming true. It means God, God's word has gone forth and rendered fruit. All right. So jot that down as it will come up in many other parts of the Bible. All right. Let's continue. It says, and it came to pass when Abram was come near Egypt that he said unto Sarai, his wife. Behold, watch now. I know that thou a fair woman to look upon. Therefore, it shall come to pass when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. So do me a favor, right? Verse 13. Say, I pray thee, thou my sister, that it may be well with me for thy sake and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was in Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman and that she was very fair, beautiful. Stop here one second. Did y'all take note of the two it shall come to pass statements? Okay, because this is gonna back up my point in a little bit, but I need you to remember that too. Don't worry, it'll all make sense in a couple seconds. All right, but I ask you to take note from Leviticus that El Shaddai calls us the children of Israel. I am also asking you to remember that the came to pass statements are prophetic. I'm also asking you to remember also that we are at the point where Haran's lineage is being redeemed through his younger brother, Abram. Let's not forget that, okay? All right, so we're gonna keep going and peep what a weapon of war a Hebrew woman's beauty is, okay? Verse 15, the princes also of Pharaoh saw her, Sarai, and commended, they complimented or talked about her before the Pharaoh, commended her before the Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Remember, we're in a famine. So in a famine throughout the land, nobody has food but the ruler. So God sent Abram to the house of the Pharaoh. Why? Because of verse 16, it says, and the Pharaoh, right, entreated Abram well for Sarai's sake. And Abram had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. All right. So because the Pharaoh tried to buy Abram's respect with a lofty dowry, he, to take Sarai, he gave him all of these things. That's why, okay? Then, verse 17, and El Shaddai plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. 18, and Pharaoh called Abram and said, what this thou hast done to, unto me? Why didst not thou tell me that she thy wife? Why saidest thou, she my sister? So I might have taken to me to wife. Now, therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. All right. So the Pharaoh had this, uh, 
had his men escort Abram and Sarai away with all the things he had given him. He could not believe that Abram had told him that Sarai was his sister. But don't y'all want to know why the Pharaoh didn't kill Abram for robbing him and embarrassing him in his own home? This was the righteous robbery that took place. All right. The answer, though, to that question is not in this chapter because the chapter basically ends right there. But you can get the answer if you leap ahead to Abimelech, right? Abimelech in chapter 20 of Genesis, knowing that God is consistent. All right. We can infer from Abimelech that God said to Pharaoh the same thing he said to Abimelech when, when Abraham told him that Sarah was his sister too. All right. When you read chapter 20, verse three through six, which I won't because we're not there yet, but feel free to skip ahead and you can read it. Um, you will see that Elohim speaks to Abimelech in a dream and lets him know he has sinned by breaking a commandment, which is why he's able to send the plagues, right? So he breaks commandment 10 basically by coveting his neighbor's wife. What I will read is chapter 20 verses 11 and 12. It says, and Abraham said, because I thought surely the fear of Elohim not in this place and they will slay me, slay me for my wife's sake. And yet indeed my sister, she the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. So this is why God didn't punish Abram for what looked like a lie. That's what I'm talking about with that slick talk in the beginning I was telling y'all about. All right. It looked like a lie to Pharaoh. But Sarai was Tara, Abram's father's daughter-in-law. She was also a child of Israel, which was Abram making her his sister in spirit as well. So there's no lies detected here. All right. She's the daughter of Terah and she's a child of Israel, which Abram is as well. So she is his sister technically. All right. But Abram wasn't this clever on his own. No, the fact that Abram said, behold, now I know in verse 11 of chapter 12 is an indication that he'd been given this vision. All right. That verse 14 says came to pass. Therefore, they were in right standing and obedience to God when they collected all that they had did, um, all that they did from the Pharaoh. So God took riches from the rich to bless his poor servant. And this is where God uses Abram to redeem Haran's lineage. All right. So in chapter 13, verse five, it says, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. So Lot came up literally because Egypt was in the South. <laughs> All right. And he was with Abram when Abram came up. So he came up too. And so, so much so that um, verse six in chapter 13 says, the land was not able to, able to bear them, both Lot and Abram. They had so much wealth and cattle that there was strife. Thir chapter 13, verse seven says, between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. All right. Plus the people of international trade and the people of the, the rural parts, the Perizzites, 
living in uh, the same spot were another issue that they were dealing with. So in verse eight, Abram says, let's not fight because we're brethren, which is the plural of brothers, continuing to drive home that point that Abram calling Sarai, his sister, was not really a lie. His nephew is his brother. So we see where the the ninth commandment is still kept in pristine condition. All right. So don't say that Abram lied. He didn't lie. All right. And in verse nine of chapter 13, Genesis, Abram allows Lot to choose where he would like to go first. All right. Because they were they're going to need to split. He says, if you take the left, I'll go right. If you take the right, I'll go left. Now, someone is wondering why we didn't continue to follow Lot's lineage in the story then about God's promise to his people. And the answer is right there. I remember telling my husband when I read actually the story of Lot, which we're going to get to later, we say Lot is, I said, Lot is mighty comfortable in that sinful city. A long time ago, um, I told my husband that, but we can check it out right here. Verse 10, when they were talking about splitting up, it says, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of the Jordan that it well watered everywhere. Before El Shaddai destroyed Saddam and Gomorrah as the garden of El Shaddai, like the land of Egypt, as though as thou comest um, unto Zoar, which means smallest from the verb sa Sa'ar, which means to become insignificant. All right. So that's going in the direction of becoming insignificant. Y'all get that? Lot's lineage. All right. Then. Lot chose him all the plain of the Jordan and Lot journeyed east and they separated themselves from one another. So what just happened? Lot saw this plain. It was beautiful to him. Then it explains what Lot thought beauty was. Oh, my stomach is growling these mornings. <laughs> okay. So Saddam and Gomorrah, excuse me, y'all, my stomach is growling. Saddam and Gomorrah, Lot thought was beautiful before the Lord destroyed it. The Garden of Eden, where sin took place, Lot thought was beautiful as well. Egypt, where they just robbed the Pharaoh by God's will, Lot's eyes thought was beautiful. So Lot loved the east, where the trash resides. We talked about that, right? So yeah, um, Lot likes a little dirt. And we're going to get to him, but that's why he becomes a dead end in the, in the lineage. All right. It's not God being unfair to him or leaving him for dead. Lot had a lust for the East. Okay. Let's, let's even further prove this right here. We can look at him in verse 12 and 13. And it says, Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain. We talked about that people away from the covenant with God, loved to build themselves some cities. And it says that Lot dwelt in the cities, all right, where the people of out of, out of covenant of God usually be at, all right? And he pitched his tent. It says, and pitched tent towards Saddam, all right? So some of us get a little homesick, even though ain't nothing back home but negativity and abuse. And so y'all are like Lot to me, and I've been there. Y'all come up on a lot to read and can't wait to bring it back to the struggle, right? That's a lot. 
<laughs> no pun intended. But Lot wants to look back on Saddam every morning um, after his come up with Uncle Abram. Verse 13 says, but the men of Saddam wicked and sinners before El Shaddai exceedingly. All right. So they were like past the point of forgiving. They had no chill. So that's that. There's no going back from that. But before y'all bring um, this sermon to your homegirl or your homeboy that just can't seem to leave their bad relationship or break that trauma bond or who keeps going back to see the person who hurts them the most, I want y'all to remember something, okay? Remember something about Lot. Remember that Lot's wife is back there, all right? He didn't get to mourn her at a funeral or nothing. She's just gone. And we'll see what happens to her when we get there, but... um. It's actually before this moment when we actually read it, we read it after. But anyway, um, that may be a reason why he chose to be able to see the ruined city from his tent, probably to think back on his wife. All right. Now, we're going to place our focus back on Abram and we're going to follow the one who's still in covenant with God. And we're going to chapter 13, verse 14 through 17. And it says, and El Shaddai said unto Abram after that lot was separated from him. So sometimes you got to separate from your family to get in covenant with God once again. All right. So El Shaddai continues after, after Lot done left his presence and he's by himself. It says, God told uh, Abram, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward and southward and eastward and westward. I just want to note that that ain't the same as to and fro and up and down, though, is it? Not to me. Okay. 15. For all the land which thou seest, to thee I will give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth. Stop. There's a colon. So the colon is to explain what comes before it. So the Bible doesn't want y'all thinking that El Shaddai is going to turn Abram's kids into dust. So. The colon says what he means is, let's continue, so that if a man can count, oh, I'm sorry, if a man can number the dust of the earth, shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the length of it and in the breadth of it. Again, it's not the to and fro like some of the, some of these other people be saying. All right. And continue, for I will give it unto thee. But notice El Shaddai doesn't say he gave it, just that he will give it. All right. So riches may be a come up when we come to. um. All right. Wait. OK. Yeah. So riches may be a come up when we come up out of Egypt. But land is a flex from God, y'all. Don't y'all forget that. My mother told me that my great grandmother, both of whom I'm middle named after said that my great grandmother said um they ain't making any more of it when it comes to land and it's true all right so what did abram do when god told him this he did what we all must do when we come up because of god verse 18 of chapter 13 genesis it says abraham abram removed tent and came and dwelt in the in the plain of Mamre, which is the plain of of being well fed, when you uh, translate that from the verb Mara, which is in Hebron, 
the place of joining um, from the verb habar to join. Now, what got joined after being well fed? Well, if you put it together, that it's the line of Haran and Abram's lineage, then I'm really proud of you because that's what got joined together just now. And what else happened? Abram lived in the plane of being well fed, right? Which joined two lineages under God. And what did he do? And built an altar, a holy table unto El Shaddai, which is inviting God to commune with him after he came up. He built that holy table and also had God join him as well. That's also what God joined, right? So we got to do that when we come up. Every time we got to build us an altar and thank God, have him join us. All right. So thank y'all for listening this week. I pray that it's a come up season for us all and that our altars to God would be bloodless, burnt and prepped in advance of our blessings. Build the altar even in the famine. Right. And that when we get blessed, we would choose to stay out of the places we've been brought from and away from our Saddams and Gomorrahs and Egypts, all right, that we wouldn't covet the way that they look, and that we'd use the wealth of these Gentile nations to occupy the land we've been promised, okay, in original Robin Hood fashion, and that God might commune with us there, all right? So remember how we started this. God will remove you from your family for his glory, and when he does, don't return there unless he sends you there, right? So I love you, but God loves you way more than me. And I'm Joe and a come up is what I found in the Bible this week. See you next time. The book of Joe is but a portion of a family ministry called the Black Love Smiths. To follow the Black Love Smiths, you can do so at Black Love Smiths on Instagram or Facebook. To get into contact with Joe, please email bookofjoe at gmail.com. God bless you.